Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Hey, it's Lynn. And it's Jody, and we are about to flip. We do this for fun on its head. There will be no discussion of the boundary waters today <laughs> or pristine Minnesota wilderness. That's right. Instead, we are going to talk tropics. And we are going to talk to the matriarch of an off grid surfing family in the Panama jungle. I've gotten to know this woman over the last uh, year or so over WhatsApp messages. Um, learning about her life. And I've got to say, it's a lot more interesting than mine. <laughs> a few words I'd love to share with you are surfing, floods, jungle, beach, mermaids, a four-year-old child, trees, and tropics. Um, and with that, I bring you Benison Sherrod Lopez. Thank you for joining us and we do this for fun. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Hello, Benison. And you are joining us from Costa Rica. Is that correct? No, I'm oh. I'm joining you from Panama. Panama. I live oh, on the sorry. Asuero Peninsula. And sorry. we are about six hours from the capital city. I live in a jungle surrounded <sighs> by thousands of trees. Like in my view right now, I can see 50 shades of green, palm mm. trees, flowers blooming. It's the rainy season, and so everything is just you know, so, so, so green. It is absolutely lush, and there are leaves bursting out of every single plant. It is absolutely gorgeous here right now. Wow. Mm. How long? I'm dying to know how long have you lived there, and what brought you to Panama? Wow. So we've been here for nine years, um, and... It's it's interesting. I lived in Costa Rica for 13 years before coming here. And honestly, we had like the best life ever there. It, we surfed all day. I had the most amazing female community of surfers. We did like everything together. Um, like surf, eat, sleep, repeat. Um, throw in a reggae bar. <laughs> Dance <laughs> nice. in, in there. Uh, that's, that's where I know our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Angela. She, uh, we've been on the dance floor together uh, in Costa Rica before. We had so much fun there and um, we had a surf school and we were just on top of the world while, while we were there. And it was right around the time that TripAdvisor became a thing. And I just got in on it early. And the next thing I knew, we were the number one thing to do in our community. And then TripAdvisor uh, put out this, um, article saying the best things to do in Costa Rica. And we were named number two best thing in the entire country. This is out wow. of all of the zip lines, all of the, all of the everything, all the other surf schools, everything. And right about that time. So we were just like having the best time ever uh, surfing. Um, uh, we were kind of known as the people to go to for fun. Um, so uh, when a, a yoga guru came to Santa Teresa you know, they had all the yoga things planned. Well, we said, hey, we'll take care of the fun. So we would take them out to like the best restaurants. We knew where there was an infinity pool with a swim up bar. We knew the place to 
um, to go get the best dessert or the best coffee. And so we would just take usually women um, to all these great spots. We also did stand up paddleboard tours oh. uh, in the mangroves in addition to teaching mm-hmm. surfing. So, I mean, we were, we were having an awesome time. And it was the end of the season and the rains had started and the mosquitoes came out and dengue fever hit our town mm-hmm. so hardcore. I mean, I had um, three, I have three neighbors and all three neighbors around me had dengue. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them had it so bad. It was like blood was, sh- was coming out of their eyes and oh. ears and gums. It was crazy. And the only reason why we didn't get dengue is that we had a tall fence. Mm-hmm. So we were like, let's get out of here. Um, and my mm-hmm. husband had just discovered Google earth. And while that seems like common knowledge now, back then it was brand new technology, the satellite imagery. And he researched the heck out of the ultimate surf road trip to Panama. And so we hopped in our land cruiser with our dog and a bunch of surfboards strapped to the top and a tent. And we drove to, um, Panama with like this list of epic surf spots that we wanted to visit. And when we got to Cambutal, which is where the community that we live in now, I originally thought that it was too small. Like, where are all my surfer girls in bikinis and reggae nights? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, it was way more laid back. Uh, I remember my first day here, I saw a guy and he was like dressed, really dressed up in his like nicest clothes. And he was on horseback. Um, and I was like, oh, it looks like he's like, it looks like he's off to a date. One way, I, then that, a little bit later, I saw um, a, a lady, maybe probably about 19 or so, <laughs> in her best Sunday outfit. And she was sitting side saddle on his horse. And he was walking with her, like going on a walk. And I thought that that was the sweetest thing I've ever seen. It's so wholesome. And then I saw about... 20 paces back was, uh, was, was grandma or, or mom. And she, and she was following behind her, making sure they kept it, you know? Um, so I just love that town vibe. Um, but on my birthday, we went surfing, uh, at this place called Corto Sequito. I remember being scared. It was intense. Uh, the, t- I now know that the tide was a bit too high. So it was like crashing on the cliff sides and I was like trying to get out and I'm you know paddling for my life practically and we took one photo uh before our camera died and little did I know that we were going to buy all the land that was in the background of that photo um oh my gosh and yeah and so we were like maybe later on that week we were drinking uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a box of wine. It wasn't even a bottle of wine. Let's um, be that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that's my well, fave. We have a, a, a brand of wine here called Close. So it's not red wine. It's Close. <laughs> I love that. Oh my so gosh. We that's a, awesome. We were drinking a box of Close on the beach and me and my husband were having this conversation like, I don't think I want to go back to life as I knew it. I think that there's something greater. And which was so crazy because our life was, we were, I felt like we were at the tip top of awesomeness of like having fun. Um, and we, we just decided to go back and we offered our business to our employees and one of our employees bought it and we had cash mm-hmm. in hand in two weeks. And we, and we like, we're like, okay. And then we went back to Panama, got residency and started looking for land. Wow. Oh my gosh. 
So this is not though the origin. This is just one of many of the cool things that you've done. Correct. You are not originally <laughs> from Costa Rica. Is that correct? Yes, I was born in Texas. Um, I am an I'm an only child of an only child. So I came from a really small family, no cousins or anything like that. Um, I had an awesome family life. My parents took me to Guatemala when I was like 12 years old in 1991. And that was really, I think, the first time that I saw the outdoors as fun or saw it as cool or interesting. Um, they, t- I mean, we rode on the local buses with like three people per seat next to a chicken, mm. um, uh, right up to, you know, we went to the markets and got our food. I mean, I like one of my m- memories is of these like massive bowls of, well, I mean, like honestly, massive bowls of chicken feet and chicken heads Oh, <laughs> because they would use them for soups and stuff there. So I, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> one of the coolest things that we did on our trip to Guatemala was go to these pyramids in Tikal. And I remember it was 1991. This is pretty, you know, pretty old school Guatemala. And um, it was just so neat to see a culture that was different than mine, very different than mine. And I think that that's what my parents were trying to teach me by taking me to such a, not a weird place, but back then no one had, I'd never knew anyone who had been to Guatemala at that point. Um, But they wanted to show me that um, people who are different than me aren't necessarily like scary or bad, or my way isn't necessarily always the best way. There's so many different ways to live life. And it really was uh, like gave me a foundation for wanting to go and visit other cultures, learn about other people, see that our differences are actually what make us beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, yes. but yes, oh, I love that. And you know, um, a couple of years later, when or I guess it was exactly ten years later when I was twenty-one, I had um, just been in uh, studying business at the University of New Mexico, and I had um, I had gone on um, a couple trips on the Green Tortoise, which is this hippie bus tour. Have you guys ever heard of the Green, no. green Tortoise? No. Oh man, Green Tortoise is cool. They, uh, <laughs> I had been on one where it's like an, a 1970s style bus, like, um, and then they completely renovate them, and it's one big big bed in the back with with tables that they pull down, and they get, go to different really cool spots to hike and things like that. Anyway, I did one through um, California, and then I also did a trip through Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Panama. Mm. And I took like several weeks with this bus trip to go through like these really neat spots, everything from hot springs and waterfalls to volcanoes and nature hikes. Um, And then how I um, actually got to Costa Rica was that when I graduated from the university, I remember having, I had like my graduation cap on. I was, you know, you know, talking about my dreams and things I was going to do after school and I told my friend, I said, um, I'm going to travel. I mean, I'm like leaving tomorrow. I This is what I've been going to school. So this is my goal was to be able to go get lost for a year or six months or something. 
And I told him that my goal was to go to Costa Rica because that was my favorite country that I visited in Central America or the, the place I thought might be the most livable. And my goal was to learn how to surf and work at a vegetarian restaurant. Goals in life. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Live in a bikini. Look at how far that got you, though. Yeah, and then I you was, owned yep. a surf school. Like, I yes. mean, you became an mm -hmm. entrepreneur and you became known in a community as an expert around. I mean, following your dream and your yes. heart provided for you in a way that a lot of people don't think it does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Well, it was very surprising to actually use my business degree um, later on in my life because after I got out of college, I didn't have any money. I was like, how am I going to use this business degree? I can't, I don't have anything, I don't have an idea of some business I'm going to start. Why don't, what am I, what am I going to do with this? And my grandfather at the time was a lighting specialist and salesman and or lighting engineer. And he, he wanted nothing more for me to go from country to country selling light bulbs. And I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. I don't, I, 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 and I know that that would have been a, a career I could have taken that would have also allowed me to travel, but obviously my heart wasn't in it. And my dad gave me some great advice. He said, why don't you try, you know, after I graduated from college, why don't you try to live in Latin America where your expenses are low and try to get paid American dollars somehow. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, living on a shoestring for so long, it was all about keeping my expenses low. And I, I kind of tried to say, okay, if I don't buy this thing that's worth $10, then I don't have to earn $10. So I could just stay mm -hmm. traveling for longer if I just was like the most thrifty backpacker ever. And I ended up traveling for, I mean, I'm, I, I've been here in Latin America for 19 years, mm. 20 wow. maybe by now. Oh, that's yes. incredible. Okay. So I have a question too. You find yourself in Panama um, unexpectedly. And then there is a dream that is, uh, is birthed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. So the dream in Panama. Well, I'll tell you that the first property that we wanted to buy, the, the deal fell through and we were absolutely crushed. Um, and it's really a, a note to being resilient because I'm so glad we didn't end up with that first property. It was a great spot, but um, we were camping on the beach um, in our trusty land cruiser with our dog and our surfboards on top. My husband had made this camp kitchen. I mean, we were like set up. We were there for weeks. I mean, we were just like camping out um, and uh, fishing, surfing, paddleboarding, you name it. We just like li lived our lives on the beach. It was wonderful. And one day we saw this guy with a machete and he was chopping the land, you know, kind of on the beach front of the land that we had previously wanted to buy. And I, and I walked up to him and I was like, Hey, do you own this land? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, I want to buy it. He said, well, I want to sell it. And I was like, Let's do this. So we, and, and he was like, you can start camping on the land right away. So we moved all of our stuff onto the beachfront that is directly in front of the surf. The guy had no wow. idea what he owned. I mean, for a hmm. surfer to own land in front of a point break where it's bikini and boardy weather year round is just the most insane, insane, beautiful dream that a surfer could ever dream of. And we bought the land. It's now been nine years. 
since we bought that land. And um, I mean, and it's, it's big, it's uh, 20,000 square meters. So I think it's probably like five acres of beachfront. Wow. And it's, uh, it's like, we have um, like 160 meters of, of actual beachfront and it's all these like massive trees, it's hill, all hilly. And so it's like park cliffs, park hills. There's um, great green macaws, which are these huge birds that fly overhead. I mean, it's just animals everywhere. And my dream was to um, to start planting. I mean, it was very jungly. I mean, we had to chop a lot of the jungle back in order to proceed. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you, we've been planting a lot, so I don't feel too bad. But yes, I mean, we just got in there and I just started planting, planting, planting. I mean, um, I mean, we probably put in, I mean, maybe 250 coconuts, um, wow. you know, I mean, only half of those have made it, but <laughs> the jungle's harsh out here. But I mean, we've done every, we planted everything from avocados, limes, mangoes, star fruit, um, coconuts. I mean, everything from mamoncinos, little lychees to cacao, mm. pineapples. Mm. I mean, we just, I just want to be able to eat off my land. And so the dream really was uh, to build our own home. And my husband is a carpenter by trade. He's Australian and he uh, went, to, did his apprenticeship in, in carpentry. And so he said, I mean, he, and he's also a, uh, he's done a lot of um, construction. So he had built all the different parts of a house, but never a house from the ground up. And I thought that this sounded like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a, that sounds like, it sounds like a lot of steps. But now that I've done it, I can see why he wanted to do it. it was, it's been so gratifying. Um, we stayed at a friend's house um, for a while, and, and that is another house that's off-grid. And it really taught us a lot about um, things like solar and batteries, water pumps. I mean, things that we already knew about, but we needed to get real-life experience with. And so in January of 2017, I said, let's move to our land it's dry season. I want, I want to be there. And so we bought an air mattress and, and, and we started camping out under the stars and full time. And I mean, and it was like, it was so cool. We could drag that air mattress wherever we wanted. So we'd go to the top of the hill one night, we'd go to the beach (laughs) front the other night and we just lay under the stars and talk. And one time we came back after being gone and there was this strange poop in the tree. <laughs> okay. So me, I'm like, what kind? It was animal poop. I'm like, what kind of poop is this? And I was like, kind of looks like cat poop. And then I noticed the tree was like hanging out over a cliff and it had kind of fallen and another tree had caught it. So it was kind of like a horizontal tree uh, hanging off over the cliff. And there I saw that a big cat had walked out onto the branch and had and had laid on the branch and had sharpened her claws. Wow. wow. In in this tree. But this is like where our house is, guys. Wow. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. Um, and so yeah, so my husband, we studied permaculture. We read some books. I mean, we'd never have gone to any courses, but we read lots of books on permaculture. We um our house is made of wood. And because we are so far removed from civilization, um, 
you know, uh, 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 delivery trucks cannot make it all the way to our, mm. um, to our place. So all, every piece of our house has come on the top of our truck. Huh. Mm. Like every um, twenty foot wood beam from the uh, from the flooring to the roofing, everything has had to been tied to the top of our truck. And so it, re- I like I personally know every screw in our house. I know how we put the the roof up. And so it has just been such a satisfying process. And now it feels very luxurious because I have a big roof. I'm never going to get wet again. Like there were definitely times when, um, when we were like first working out our composting toilet that we have to, that we have Mm. out here in the jungle. And I remember for a while there, it was in between rainy season and dry dry season and rainy season. And the toilet was in a bad place. And I was getting rained on every time I had to go to the bathroom. It was sucked. (laughs) 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 So it's, it's been a process, but I'm really happy with where we're at right now. I love that. So I love that you, um, so many things are going through my head right now. I'm just like, just the, the, the fact that you had the guts to follow your dream and, but um, I do love the fact that you point out that it was not glamorous. I, I mean, there's so much hard work involved. And we talk a lot about that on this podcast about, you know, it might seem like a postcard when you look at it from, you know, you've never been there. But can you yeah, talk about how uh, the challenges that you faced and then overcoming them? And w- I'm sure that made it all the more beautiful that you were able to, to persevere? Well, I'll tell you some of the, um, some of the most difficult things that we have to deal with is that my, my husband has to be a, um, has to be the mechanic, the plumber, the solar specialist, the husband, the dad, the, I mean, but I mean, the mechanic, he does everything at our house because there's no one to call. I mean, and, and we live, a half an hour from town. Um, I mean, and already the uh, Kambutal is already quite isolated. I mean, we are south of nowhere. I mean, mm. we uh, Panama is the uh, southernmost country in Central America. It runs east-west, and there's a peninsula that sticks down, um, and we're at the very, very, very bottom of that mm. peninsula. Huh. So, I mean, there's very mm. little past us. I mean, mostly cows. Um, and actually, in leading up to us in the in the, um, like after you leave Kambutal, it's all dirt roads. It's all four by fouring. I have, um, we, there's a very large river called the Horconis. And in the summer it's, you know, um, you know, a couple feet wide and in the winter it can rage. Hmm. I mean, um, it has been sketchy on many occasions and in the rainy season, you know, if it, I like, I'm so thankful that it's sunny today because I was able to cross the river. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had to uh, make contraptions with a stand-up paddleboard to get food across. We mm-hmm. went for three weeks um, when I was pregnant, not seeing anyone. Well, we got a friend to bring our groceries to the river, and we, at another spot, like on the beachfront, we were able to get groceries across. But I mean, you really have to be okay with being by yourself and that's and I'm an only child so I'm fine with being by myself my kid's (laughs) an only child so he's fine being by himself what is mothering a child like in these extreme conditions 
Well, so we have rainy season and dry season. So dry season, we live in front of a popular, or not, I mean, not a popular surf break, but you know, uh, there could be like 10 people or, or maybe 20 people paddle out on a day. And so all those people drive down to where we are, go surfing. And so me and my kiddo will go to the beach. We got tons of social time. Um, he's not old enough to be in school yet. So this is like his major um you know, social interactions. And then in summertime, there's a cool crew of kids that come down and, um, and they all go to the beach, make forts, run and play in the river, climb cliffs, you know, mm -hmm. swim in the ocean, get pounded by the, the waves. And then in rainy season, which is where we are right now, I mean, it is next level beautiful oh. with the greenery um, the rivers are big and swollen. The trees are just reaching up for the sun. I mean, everything has like, is just on turbo with, with the greenery. And so, you know, our usual morning routine is, um, you know, I, I make every single meal because there's not a single restaurant around. So I'm used to kind of being, um, I love cooking. So that's something that's a big part of my day, but We'll get up, have breakfast and go to the beach. And something that I learned, I don't know where I read this, but it has been so instrumental on how I, how I parent is, or somehow I figured out that when we went to the river, um, you know, there's kind of like the easy way to go along the beach. Um, but at high tide, those waves are crashing too much onto uh, the shore. So you can't go that way. So you have to go up and over the hill. Um, it's maybe like a 15 minute walk and, you know, it's, it's, it's walking through the jungle. It's a little horse trail, but what I learned is that I got Zephyr to lead. And, mm -hmm. and so it was something that was totally that he could do even at the age of maybe two or so, like he could stumble along and make his way and there's nothing bad that's going to jump out and get him. And what that taught him I guess if I would have been leading the whole time, he'd just copy where my feet were, or he'd choose that branch to hold on to, or he would slide down on his butt that way, or however it worked. But because he was leading, he got to make the decisions. He also got to see it first. He could show me the things that he was interested in. And mm. I and I think that it really helped him become like this like cool little independent kiddo. And he's a oh. total Mowgli. I mean, he... <laughs> Is I mean, jungle boy. We just <laughs> we just cut his hair for the first time. It was he had this long, beautiful beachy hair, and I finally cut it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he can. I was I was walking on the beach last night with my husband and my son, and we were walking on these big boulders that had like sharp sticks sticking out of them. And the three of us were just walking along, and one of us made the comment of, we are so jungle-fied. I mean, <laughs> we should just post a video of us walking on these walk on these rocks for people to just cringe looking at our bare feet, you know, calloused and everything. But I love being a mom in the in the wilderness. I mean, I can if he's ever got too much energy, we just go to the beach or we just uh, like really focus on the outdoors. I mean, yeah. I, I have like a little treasure map that I give people when they come to visit. So it's, so I'll say, okay, well, you can go to this river. There's a great swimming hole. And then if you walk up, you know, a hundred meters, there's this big, big, beautiful tree called that we call the tree of life. 
Um, and it has the great green macaws living there, animals everywhere. Uh, the Pedregal River, that is the river that's just past us. And it is barely crossable in the ra- in the dry season, and it is not at all crossable in the rainy season. So we literally are like one of the last houses that that is livable in the rainy season without either a boat, yeah, without a boat. Hmm. And so um, I just love it. I mean, it's I love that my kiddo can have that much green in his life that he is just exposed to nature on a daily basis and that some of the rivers and the waterfalls that we go to and the things that we climb up on and the vines that he swings from are things that people sometimes only get to do once in their life and he gets to do it like all day. Um, And so being a mom has been great. One thing that's going to be a challenge, a huge challenge is homeschooling. Oh my goodness. Ask about that. Oh. Are you doing it? Are you I don't hire know. someone? <laughs> well, right now we're building a tree house. We actually always just wanted a tree house. And then we decided that maybe we could turn it into a school. So it's a big, tr- it's a big tree house. Um, it is 24 feet by 12 feet. So, I mean, it's, it's big enough to have two rooms. And our current idea is to have Zephyr's schoolroom in one room. And then we find, while we're dreaming, this epic teacher and hopefully her epic partner who also does construction and carpentry (laughs) and loves to help me plant. And they can live in a treehouse. And um, we we have some friends who are homeschooling their kids and kids. And they've already done the research on which curriculums are are the best ones in their opinion. And if it's good enough for my friends, it's good. You know, not necessarily it's good enough for me, but there's so many different homeschooling curriculums online that you just got to pick one at the end of the day. So, yeah, so that's my ideas. Find a teacher who wants to live in a tree house overlooking the ocean. (laughs) Pretty simple, right? (laughs) Minnesota educators out there. Here's your chance. Here's your chance. Live in the jungle. You can go Uh to work in a bikini. (laughs) <laughs> which is so rare to hear a woman say <laughs> yeah uh-huh like voluntarily yes voluntarily yeah yes. I love it. it's so it's so refreshing you're just uh yeah you're so refreshing so so th- okay so this episode is probably going to be posted sometime in August and so which is about the time here in Minnesota when people are freaked out that summer is ending and we all sink into a terrible depression because summer is over and winter is coming. So any thoughts so if if people are getting ready to plan their winter oh, trips yes. to oh I don't know maybe a beach in Central America any what like what would you any advice um specifically for getting outdoors, for exploring wilderness in Central America. Can I add to that too? Just yeah. like maybe something that's a little bit more off the beaten path. Yeah. Like not the traditional vacation yep. as we think of as Americans. Yeah. Well, what I would say is uh, go get lost, go have fun. Um, inter- like if these, if your listeners are traveling with their kids, um, like expose them to nature and like there's, you know, get them out of the Wi-Fi zone. 
Um, and I mean, uh, in order for me to have cell signal, I have to drive a half hour. Mm. Um, and so oh, when you're people, so lucky. <laughs> well, well, and the neat thing is, is that when people come this far down the road and they don't have cell signal, they're off their phones and they're present minded yeah. and they're just there. They're looking at it. I mean, sure. They might take some photos and, and, and use their phone in that way. But there, you. I feel like you actually have real conversations because yep. people aren't picking up their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being out in nature. I I listened to a podcast years ago, and this concept struck me. Um, it said it was a guy, and he was talking about a. If you can imagine a pyramid, that's all about nature. Mm-hmm. So at the top of no, let's see, at the base of your pyramid. This is how much nature you want to get into your year in order to feel good. That bottom layer, you can almost think about it like the food period. That bottom layer would be going to your city park, walking your dog, um, going to a river, things like that. And that's like you want lots of those activities, you know, maybe like ideally a couple of times a week. And that middle zone would be like going to a national park. And you maybe want to do that like three times a year would be a good goal to like get in like epic nature. Hmm. And then that tip top would be go somewhere for like three days where there's no cell coverage. Like when you ladies go on your crazy, beautiful trips, like go out there, get in nature, go mm-hmm. someplace that's like absolutely wows you. Yeah. Um. So I guess I would say, try to go to one of those places that in the top of the pyramid, someplace that's like absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And in um, Central America, there's so many treasures of places where you can go that are off the beaten path. Like where I live right now, um, where some of your beautiful listeners might want to visit. If you rent a four by four truck and you have just a little bit of experience four by four, and you can go all over the place, you can see you know, a, a million trees in one outing. Like you mm. can go to waterfalls and hike to the top of, of mountains. There are these beautiful rivers nearby. And I think that, um, you know, we joke, the, uh, a friend and I were joking the other day that when we walk up the Pedregal River, that it's, we want to start a church of people who just walk up the river <laughs> gazing at their toes under the water and looking off into the distance. And it's amazing how much you can, like how good you can feel just by disconnecting and going for a walk. Yeah. You know, and I love uh, warm weather. I mean, I'm Texan and I have only lived in, you know, warm places. I lived in Utah for like a, a, a couple of years, but it was too cold. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and, and I, and I, I'm not an awesome snowboarder skier and I'm the type of person that slips on ice, you know, I'm not coordinated. And so this, the, the winter kind of made me not sad. I just felt like a fish out of water. Yeah. And so sometimes when I go to, um, or whenever I go to the tropics, it's just more of my, my style. Yeah. And, and I just love, um, being able to, um, kick back in a hammock, um, have my nice cup of coffee, stare out into the ocean. Um, and I feel like it's, 
almost a type of medicine. It's a type of way to, to relax. We see people yeah. all the time when they come here, it takes a couple of days for them to chill out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the outside world really gets just stressed. And um, I find that the Latin American way of living is just at a slower pace that lots of people can benefit from. Yeah. And, um, and also if, if anyone can, I mean, I started surfing when I was 22, but I know lots of women and men who, who started surfing after that. And it has honestly been the best thing that I've, I mean, one of the best things that's ever happened in my life was me discovering surfing. It's, uh, and you can, I mean, and the best way to learn is with a lesson, come to Latin America um, come Costa Rica or Panama are great places to learn. I love, um, you know, surfing teaches you so much. It, it teaches you a lot of humility. Have either one of you ever tried to surf or learn? I've to surf? tried. Yeah, I've tried. It's hard. Yes. I did not succeed. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I didn't take so a what? lesson though. I just like rented a board on a beach in California by myself on like a business trip and then was like, I'm going to go surf. <laughs> it didn't work. Lynn, did it work for you? No. So kind of similar. I was in Hawaii in college with my family and yeah, same thing. We just had some surfboards and we were just going to give it a shot. And, um, it was not, it did not figure it out at all. So yes, I think a lesson would have probably been yeah, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have, um, well, I'll, I have had a, a really amazing time surfing since, uh, since I was 22. It has helped me made what I think are good decisions in my life, like prioritizing health and yeah. getting up early and eating well. I mean, um, you know, you can, you know, you really, if you want to surf, if you want to be dedicated to surfing, you got to get up early mm-hmm. and you can't be hungover and you got to be fresh. And so, um, and it also teaches you perseverance. I mean, dang, as you know, it's like very disheartening when you fall 50 times in a row. Yeah. And especially like, it could just be insulting on the old ego, the uh-huh. water going up the nose, the bikini flying this way and that way, <laughs> the, um, failure, mm-hmm. you know, it's dang tough to, to get back up again. But I'm so glad I did because especially in surfing, you get these breakthroughs, like aha moments. Um, And so I've definitely, uh, those feel so good. Yeah. And now I've been surfing for almost 20 years and I love it. Um, And I would encourage anyone who um, kind of wants to get outside of their comfort zone to try surfing because I mean, just from that initial trip and oh and I love to tell people that I did not stand up on my first surf lesson not at all and I remember that it was in Tamarindo Costa Rica it was this like nice enough guy and then I remember like I didn't stand up and then he and I was he was like gonna carry my board back because we had to walk ways down the beach and I was like no I got it stupid I was so windy. I was exhausted. I was like dying by the time I get back. When I got back, he was smoking a cigarette, like kicking back in the hammock. I was like, I had no idea what a task it was to carry this board back or I wouldn't have offered. But, but honestly, it has um, uh, shown me all about community, about having fun in the outdoors, 
about challenging myself. I mean, I did have a pretty darn big accident recently Oh, that really taught me about perseverance. And um, would you care to hear about this crazy surfing story? Sure, yes. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the, in the, have either one of you seen the photos? I saw the photos. Okay. Yeah. So I'll give you a little rundown. So I have been, by the way, I'm a goal person. I make goals like crazy. I, you know, they keep me motivated. Um, for example, I, sir, I had a goal of surfing 200 waves while I was pregnant. And then I planted like a hundred coconut palms when my son was born to get back into shape, you know? Um, on a surf trip, I surfed 600 waves in Asia. Like I, I'm all about, you know, trying my best and applying myself. So about maybe three months ago, um, I just, uh, it was a really big week where it just seemed like the waves were not stopping. And I sit on my front porch and I look at the waves out front and they're just massive and I can't get in the water when it's that big. It's not worth the risk. So I had a day where I woke up and I was so frothing to surf <laughs> and I couldn't because it was too big. And I felt like maybe my ego was like, I want to surf. I, I deserve to be out there. I'm strong enough to be out there. I have the skills it takes to be out there, but I, but I got denied that day. It was too big. Okay. So I wake up the next day. I, it's, it's on. So I paddle out. I have a great surf session. Um, I'm still like, uh, and I, I go back to my house. I invite my friends over. We have like coffee and tea on the porch. We talk about our surf session. We're hanging out. And it's actually my husband's turn next because, you know, we take turns because the kiddo. And I say, Oh, I really want to go surfing again. Can I please have a second session? And he said, why do you want to go out in that? Like it's, it's too big. It's too shallow. All the rocks are exposed. And he just said like, go for it if you really want to, you know? So I trot down, so excited about my second surf, feel all ready. And, and we live in a big bay with a right-hand point break. It's all rocky. There's some cliffs. There's some rock structures, kind of like, they call it the Big Sur of Central America. So there's all of these kind of rock structures. So I hop in the water, start to paddle out. Pretty normal day, paddling out. I see this set come off in the distance. So usually about this time, I would exit the current, the rip current. I Surfers oftentimes get into a rip current to take them mm -hmm. out to sea, but you have to make sure that you exit out of them, you know, to get where you want to go. Well, in that specific moment, on that specific day, this monster set comes. And I think, no big deal. I'm a rock star. Like, I'll just duck dive it. No, no big deal. But what had happened is that current had, because it was so low and it was just absolutely dredging and so dry, that rip current swung me right on around into oh. a massive rock structure. And when I, there's a move called a duck dive and that's how you get under a wave when a wave is coming. And I was paddling before I understood what was happening. I could see this wave coming and I was paddling in order to start to duck dive. And I looked around and I was like, where 
I didn't ask where I was. I was like, why are all these rocks here? And so I kind of, my first duck dive, I went between all these rocks and I was like, what is going on? I thought I was in the middle of the ocean and I was surrounded by rocks. And then the second duck dive I did, I firmly smashed my face into a reef. I could feel my whole face open. I couldn't see out of one eye. I could see blood everywhere. And I was, and I looked back and, and, and I could see those rocks and they were right there. And I just, I didn't even have time to get scared. I just was like action. I, I was, I remember the only thing I remember thinking, I'm glad that I'm in shape (laughs) because I just started (laughs) because I couldn't paddle against the current. So I knew I had to take the long way around the rock structure. And I just started like literally paddling for my life. I am so thankful I did not um, I did not lose consciousness or I didn't lose an eye. I didn't lose any teeth, but I paddled and I was by myself because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do, right? And <laughs> surf by yourself. Um, surf by yourself in the middle of nowhere, miles from the nearest hospital. So I ended up paddling all the way around, walked all the way back to my house before anyone saw me. And I ended up getting, um, it was a very quiet ride all the way to the hospital. Um, I was lucky that one of my friends just like picked up my kid and, and took him away. So he never saw mm-hmm. me with my mm-hmm. face open like that. But I got uh, 20 stitches in my wow. face mm-hmm. and all inside my mouth. Oh, I ouch. mean, it was gnarly. Um, bloodshot eye, um, the whole nine yards. and and um, But what I think is important about this story is that I saved myself. Mm. I got myself out of there. I paddled hard. I used my, all of my knowledge that I had in surfing up until that point, I used it at that moment where I knew I couldn't paddle against the current to get back the way most people would have gone. I I knew I had to stay calm. I knew I had to get out of there because the waves were come, kept coming. After I smashed my face open, there was another 20 on their way. So Mm. I had to get out of there. And I of course don't ever want to do it again, but it strangely left me feeling stronger and almost mm. in, a, in a powerful way because I got myself out of there. I walked back. I did it with my own muscles, my own knowledge, my own strength. And I didn't know if I was going to have nightmares. I didn't know if I was going to have trauma. I didn't know, but I think one of the most important things is that I wasn't, I, I didn't have time to get scared. And so it was all just full of action of like, mm-hmm. get myself out of there. And uh, as you can tell now, like I'm, uh, I'm not left disfigured. <laughs> I st- <laughs> I'm still like surfing my brains out. I still love it. And it is actually um, where some people I think would have gone fearful. I have gone more determined mm-hmm. and and a friend of mine who is very wise, she told me that a little bit of self-perseverance is important. I didn't have to go out when it was sucking dry reef and the biggest swell of the year. And, the, you know, it's important as we get older to, you know, live to fight another day. So I, so I need to, I, what I learned is I need to make choices based upon what I see and the conditions <laughs> I see. Um, but I also, 
I do want to keep pushing hard and I, and it has made me even want it more. And I do want to, um, it makes me want to be a better surfer and it makes me want to go out there and charge. And I, I'm very grateful that I get to tell my story because my story is about strength and about overcoming crazy stuff. And, and that's much more, it's a much better story than me saying, and I was scared and I never did it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired right now. Um, yeah, me too. Well, we, okay. I could talk to you all day. We might need to have you back for a second episode. That's what I um, said. I was like, we could just have a podcast about her life. Yes. Her totally. daily life. Maybe yes. we should start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, I, I, I sometimes wonder what people might find not interesting about my life, but um, what, what, not necessarily what makes me special. How can I say it? Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of is that, um, we're trying to live a sustainable life and, and it's not, it's, it's, it's much more difficult than you'd imagine. I mean, um, we talk about, um, days where we can go, uh, with autonomy. So that's a, that's a day where we can keep living in the jungle and we don't have to go into town. We don't have to, and we even take it as far as like, we don't have to run the generator. So um, because we're trying to, to live as, as sustainably as possible, then, I mean, we can go for not necessarily, I mean, I've been three weeks without, without really connecting with a human outside of my family. Um, And, and as long as we have, um, you know, food and fuel and propane gas and, 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 and a working car and things like that, we can really go for a long time. Um, but some of like when we designed our house, we designed it so that we don't need air conditioning. I mean, we live in the tropics. We are at like, um, you know, we're really close to the equator and we don't have air conditioning because we built our house completely open um, we have these big windows that lift, lift up so that when we want to go away and we want to close up, we can, and it's completely secure. But when we're at home, everything is open. So there's just this tons of breeze. We have a big six foot breezeway that goes through the whole house. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you're hot, just go sit in the breezeway. Um, and the house is built so that it just takes in that beautiful ocean view. We have a huge porch on the front that has hammocks and a big kitchen table. It's where we have these like endless cups of tea and coffee and all my surfer friends come over and hang out on the porch and talk about the the surf of the day. And I just love that vibe of having people over for tea. And it just, you know, in the dry season, I mean, I might have 12 cups of coffee cups in my (laughs) sink at the end of the day because I just keep, people keep coming over and I love that. I love the duality of having, you know, tons of friends during the dry season. Um, and then in the rainy season, it just kind of getting all natural. I mean, I joke with people that if I don't get out of the jungle soon, I'm going to have, you know, moss growing on my arms. It's, <laughs> I, it's just, it, but I, I, I love Panama. I love the jungle here. I love nature. And um, I really think that, um, planting trees are super important. I had a goal again with the goals. I had a goal this year or last year of planting a thousand trees. Um, and I did it. 
Um, wow. Now, most of these uh, in, in Panama, you can take a, a bush or, you know, a tree and cut it into a little stick. And then you just stick the stick in the ground and it will grow. I mean, wow. it's super fertile wow. here. Hmm. So most of those thousand were like little sticks. Hmm. And I just decorated my entire beachfront and the whole treehouse area and our gardens. It, I just have like thousands of flowers and and cool, colorful leaves. And um, it has been such a satisfying project to mm-hmm. plant uh, because really if you if you plant a garden it's not for today it's for it's for the future and i just love watching these trees grow and supposedly i will have avocados after seven years one day we're mm-hmm. gonna have so many we're gonna have enough avocados <laughs> for the whole world uh, i just i just keep planting avocado trees i don't know how i'm possibly gonna have enough space for all of this but it has really been satisfying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Benison, thank you so much for talking to us today. This has just been delightful and it has allowed me to dream of living in a beautiful tropical place. Um, in a bikini, drinking in a coffee, bikini. Yes. Tea, yes, and boxes of wine on <laughs> in the sand. It sounds amazing. Yeah. What a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. I really admire you too. And I love what you're doing with this podcast. I um, I love this idea that you can have, have fun in the outdoors and even learn about, learn about the outdoors as an adult. And I appreciate you having me on. This is a blast. Well, we appreciate you so very much. And I was trying to think of a way to kind of end things. And I wasn't sure if it should be like an ecological message or whatever, but I wanted to actually just like address you and your spirit. Um, and in my in some in my friend circle, there's like this huge appreciation for Dolly Parton. Um, and I mean, what an incredible woman. And I venison would put you up there and i'm going to just like put a quote like a dolly parton quote as part of this whole deal if your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more learn more do more and become more then you are an excellent leader and i think you're leading from afar like what you're doing is showing us what's possible by just shifting our perception of what reality can be and i appreciate that so much um just trying to live a really intentional life and seeing what you're doing is so inspiring. So thank you for making and showing us what's possible for, for any of us, any of us could do what you're doing. It's just taking the first step. Well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for interviewing me. Right. And listeners, thank you for listening and don't forget to have fun out there. We Do This For Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruen.com. If you like this podcast, we'd love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at wedothisforfun.com. 
As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at wedothisforfun at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions. So let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We do not judge. We promise. We've been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening.